The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, on September 14, 2014, based on Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 8. The first lesson, Exodus chapter 6, verses 2 through 8, takes us back to the, what you might call the Old Testament church, the people of Israel. We see how their outward circumstances were quite dire as they were enslaved in Egypt. The Lord faithfully keeps his promise and has begun his rescue of them. These words will also serve as the sermon text. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name the Lord I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. And I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God through which the Holy Spirit strengthens our faith in Jesus is the first lesson you heard from Exodus chapter 6. At this time, please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, fellow saints, wash clean in the blood of our risen Savior. A scene of a little girl holding a teddy bear dangling at her side, silhouetted against the flames of a burning house. She's the only one who made it out. Her family's gone. A scene of despair. A husband clutching his hair as he pours over the family bills. He and his wife have been laid off. The children are asking why they never go out to eat again, and the the landlord is threatening to evict them. How can he provide for his family? A scene of despair. Finally, after several months, the other teenagers finally ask her to come out and join them. After that time of isolation, she thinks, finally... Finally, I'm going to be accepted in the crowd. There's even a boy in that group that she likes, but it's all a setup to embarrass and ridicule her, a scene of despair. All of us 
no despair at one time or another. Those moments of, of hopelessness and helplessness. And even though they may not make dramatic scenes for others to see, that burden still presses down hard on our hearts. Despair testifies to how empty people's promises are. The promises of family went up in flames for that little girl. The promises of hard work, self-reliance, and determination could not provide for that husband's family. The promises of fun and friends left that teenage girl heartbroken. But dear friends, the darkness of despair highlight the faithfulness of your God, the Lord. For he keeps his promises. He is there for you even in the worst, just as he was there for his people that were held as slaves in Egypt. He keeps his promises. And his faithfulness not only brings us hope in the face of despair, his promises and his faithfulness also give us the courage to serve him with all our strength. And so today we focus on the theme, the Lord, our faithful God who keeps his promises. And his faithfulness brings us both hope and courage. Those are the two parts. Now, as we take a look at Exodus chapter 6, put yourself back at that time in the history of God's people. Moses has spent 40 years taking care of sheep in the Sinai. He is now around 80 years old. uh, Sometime before this, he saw that bush burning, burning and burning, but never burning up. The Lord called him at the age of 80 to go back to Egypt and to lead the people out. Moses has has done that, or he has gone back to Egypt. But that first audience before Pharaoh did not go well. As depressing and despairing as the situation of the people of Israel were, it became worse after Moses came back. For you see, Pharaoh not only refused to let the people go. He, in addition, gave the order that now they were supposed to make the same number of bricks, but he was no longer going to provide them the straw that they needed to do so. They would have to spend the man time and power spreading throughout Egypt, gathering up the stubbles from the field, hoping to find enough that they needed. And when their quota fell short, the Israelite foremen were beaten by the slave drivers. As despairing as their situation was, it went from bad to worse. Can we blame them for saying to Moses, May the Lord look upon you and judge you. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. And Moses goes to the Lord in prayer. The text that you heard read earlier is the Lord's answer to Moses at this time. And listen again to those opening words the Lord speaks to Moses. 
He says to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, where they resided as foreigners. Notice how the Lord introduces himself. I am the Lord. And if you take a look at the text printed there, you see that it's that word Lord with all capital letters. That's the English translation's way of conveying to us that this is not the regular Hebrew word for Lord, but that very special word that the Lord chose to be his name. The name of the true God by which he reveals himself. The name that signifies that he is the one who is always the same. He is never changing for he is the eternal I am. And therefore he is free to make his promises. And he is faithful to them. Since he does not change. Since he always is. His promises stand firm. He keeps his promises. For he is the covenant God, the promise-making God. And so no matter how bad things look, his promises are still good. For I am the Lord, the faithful God who keeps his promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob certainly knew that. That was their faith. Oh yes, they saw the Lord also in his might and power as God Almighty El Shaddai, Remember how how God displayed his power to Abraham and Sarah by giving them a child? Even though Sarah was barren, and against all the rules of nature, when they were so old that their bodies were as good as dead, there she gave birth to Isaac. Yes, the Lord was mighty and powerful, but he was also the Lord who made promises. Think of the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promise to give their descendants that land of Canaan. The promise that their descendants would be a great nation. And most important of all, the promise that through those descendants, the Savior for all nations would come. The Lord made those promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they did not see them fulfilled in their lifetimes. Rather, they lived as strangers, as foreigners in that land of Canaan. They did not see the promises fulfilled. They lived by faith, trusting that the Lord is the faithful God who will keep his promises. But now it's 400 or so years later. And has the Lord kept those promises yet? 400 years is a long time. And Abraham's descendants have certainly grown into a numerous people, but they're not a great nation. They're held in bondage by the the Egyptian nation. And they weren't living in the promised land, the land of Canaan. Had the Lord forgotten his promises? No. No, he had not. And he brings that out as he continues saying to Moses here, Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. 
Yes, he began fulfilling those promises made centuries ago to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you well know how he carried out those fulfillments for the Israelites. Through the mighty acts of judgment against the Egyptians, ten devastating plagues, he humbled Pharaoh and displayed his glory and brought out his people, freeing them from that slavery to Egypt, setting them free to bring them to the promised land. And in the same way, dear friends, the Lord, the faithful God, who makes his promises and keeps his promises. The Lord fulfills the promises he has made for us as well. And there, think of also outstretched arms. Now, the symbolism in the text here, when the Lord says he will stretch out his arm, is his, his arm of might and judgment against the Egyptians. But you also know his outstretched arms of grace and mercy, don't you? Jesus stretched out his arm, touching those with leprosy, those with illness and disease, and healing them. You see both his might and his mercy in those outstretched arms. And how much more so when he stretched out his arms on the cross to redeem you and me, to pay the price of his holy Precious blood, the ransom price that sets us free. And think of Easter as well. Easter is God's judgment, but not, not a judgment of condemnation like the plagues were against the Egyptians, but rather Easter is a different kind of judgment, a judgment of acquittal. Easter, Jesus' resurrection is God's verdict that he has declared guilty sinners forgiven for Jesus' sake. He has declared wicked people like you and me not guilty because Jesus has paid the price for us. What a marvelous judgment. A judgment that is so mighty that it breaks the chains of sin and death that held us as slaves so that we are set free from the tyranny of Satan. We are set free from the bondage to sin. We are set free from the terror to death. That's God's promise. And he is the Lord. He keeps his promises. That's God's promise, not simply to your ancient ancestors. That's God's promise to you, dear Christian, and to me. The promise he made to you personally at your baptism. For there he rescued you from Satan's bondage. There he washed away your sins, bringing you the salvation, the redemption of Jesus Christ. And so no matter how dark the day may appear, no matter how heavy that burden of despair, remember your baptism. Remember God's promise. And know that he has not forgotten He has not left you or abandoned you. He is with you. And he is faithful. He will keep those promises. What hope that brings us. What hope in the face of despair because even though all the promises people make, 
can and do fail at times. God will not fail you, for he is the Lord, the faithful God. He keeps his promises. His faithfulness brings us hope. And it not only brings us hope, it brings us courage as well. Courage. Because the faithful Lord, you might say, has our back no matter what. We can trust his promises to be there to support us and uphold us. His faithfulness brings us courage. Courage to live our lives in service to him. Courage to say no to sin. Courage to refuse Satan's temptations. Courage to love our neighbor as ourselves. Courage to take up our cross and follow Christ. Courage to risk all for our Savior, giving up all for him. Courage to live for him who died for us. Those promises brought courage to Moses. Think of it. Think of how disheartened Moses must have been. He goes to Pharaoh, and not only does Pharaoh make things worse for the people, the people now reject Moses. But instead of giving up, the Lord's promises, the Lord's faithfulness brings courage to Moses. Courage to go back to Pharaoh. To go back to Pharaoh ten times. Courage to continue leading the people despite their initial rejection of him. Courage to continue leading those people for 40 years, despite their stubbornness and rebellion. Courage to go forward, because the Lord is faithful. He keeps his promises. Even when we are so weak that we cannot go on, his promises give us the courage to follow on. So, dear friends, Apply these these closing words, the final words of the text here. Apply them to yourselves and see how the Lord's promises bring us courage. As he says, then you will know that I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Actually, starting a little bit earlier. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Think of those opening words there. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. What a promise, not only for the Israelites, but for you and me. That's the promise the Lord made at your baptism when he took you to be his own, to be his reborn child so that he is your God, your Heavenly Father. And this is what gives us the courage to say no to sin, because we know that even though sin promises that instant gratification, that instant happiness, we don't need that because we have a Heavenly Father watching us. It gives us the the, the, the courage to, to... put ourselves out there for others, to love others even as ourselves because we know that God is our Heavenly Father and He has our back no matter what others might do. It gives us the courage to bear up and follow on no matter how little we might have because even though our old self thinks that we need so much of this earthly stuff in order to be happy, our new self seeks first God and His kingdom and His righteousness Because it knows that 
Our Heavenly Father will take care of the rest because He is our God. He is your God, for you have been baptized into His family. And look at where He is leading us to. Not to some earthly plot of land in the Middle East, but to the true promised land, to our heavenly home. And what courage that gives us, no matter how dreary or weary this earthly pilgrimage becomes. Heaven is our home, our promised land. And the Lord is faithful. And so we follow on, willing to risk all, because we know that no matter how much loss we suffer in this life, no matter how heavy the burden is now, the glory that awaits far outweighs it all. The Lord has promised, and he is faithful. He keeps his promises, for he is the Lord. And he wants you and me to be sure. He wants you and me to have that firmness of faith that knows that no matter what, he is faithful and he keeps his promises. And notice how he brings this out in the, in the text here. He not only speaks his promises, he takes an oath. He raises his hand and takes an oath that he will keep his word because he wants us to be doubly sure. Not only at his word, which alone, since it's the word of God, stands fast and sure, but also because he has taken that oath. That he is speaking the truth. He keeps his promises. And in the same way, still today, He reinforces his promises to us, for he not only speaks them to us in his word written in the scriptures, he speaks them with his word connected with the water that we see and feel in baptism and and with the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper that we taste, which brings us the body and blood of Christ. He not only speaks his promises to us, but he makes them visible in the sacraments so that we can follow with that firmness of faith that says, even though I cannot see how the Lord will accomplish his purpose, yet I follow on because he is faithful. He keeps his promises. He is the Lord. And so, dear friends, no matter what kind of scenes of despair may come into your life, no matter what kind of circumstances may seek to rob you of of, of courage and strength, Keep on turning to the Lord's promises and believe with all your heart that he is faithful, for he is the Lord. He keeps his promises. His faithfulness brings us hope in the face of despair. His faithfulness brings us courage to serve him with all our strength. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.